0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. We recently had a rummage sale fundraiser at our church. And as we weeded through the collection of earthly treasures, it provided a great illustration of identifying what it is we love, and therefore, what is it that we tend to worship. Thanks for joining us today as we continue through Matthew chapter 6, studying how Jesus provides a reformation of worship. Well, a rummage sale is an opportunity that really forces you to dig through the old boxes. Did anybody find something that they forgot about as they were digging through the attic or the basement? No, Nobody? You, you knew what you had? No surprises? Well, I was going through the attic with uh, with my mom and found this old beauty. Look at this. This was my suitcase when I was a child filled with all my childhood treasures. Now, I haven't looked in here too too much, so let's just see what we got today. All right, I have some Play-Doh that looks like it's probably expired. Uh, Look at this old train whistle. (laughs) Look at that, that was in here. Uh, Not sure what this is, but I think it's the top of a flagpole maybe? Uh, Old broken telescope, a flashlight that doesn't work. You know, as I was going through these things, I was reminded, seeing these objects again, how much fun I had with them when I was a kid. I I thought this was an amazing treasure, right? I thought this was something uh, to be valued. I mean, what color is it? Yeah, this gold, right? This probably has value to it. And uh, this flashlight that I'm sure my imagination found some use for, I held onto it for some reason. Um, But you'll notice it doesn't work anymore. It's broken and kind of uh, corrupted. You'll see that this is starting to tarnish and rust and really so serves no purpose the top is broken off to it Uh, I I was just amazed to find the things that I once thought were valuable are really junk (laughs) that's really what this box is filled of I've got an old um, knee pad in here I I don't know why this is in here Uh, a wallet with no money a camera with no film Things that once had value, but now that time has passed on, I recognize them for what they are. They really hold no value at all. And it reminds me of my own children today as I look to see what they have in their toy boxes and how they hold on to those as treasures that they want to keep. I wonder what they'll think in 30 years. right? I wonder what they'll think when they look back, if this is really something to be treasured or if it is what it appears to be on this world, nothing but junk. It is easy to accumulate a lot of junk, isn't it? It's easy. Um, and that's what rummage sales and garage sales are for, right? A chance to kind of uh, get rid of this extra baggage, this this stuff that's no longer necessary. Even some of the things that I bet you used to love that you really thought were very cool in your life really have little meaning to you any longer. Why do we hold on to those things? We, we ought to uh, jettison them from our lives. We ought to get rid of them. They're not necessary. They're not part of the... Uh, The journey that we're on. and, And the hope is that as we come deeper in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we would recognize that the things of this earth that glitter, that appear to be gold, have far less value to us. Now, this morning, we're going to continue in this series on reformation as we're addressing the way in which the world will trick us to conform us to think like the world, squeeze us into its mold. Tell us these are the things that you need. Bigger, right? Faster, right? It's really not. In the front of your bulletin, I think there's even a verse comes out of Romans uh, chapter 12. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, that's what we're trying to do today. Trying to renew our minds. I'm entitling this message, uh, Reformation, uh, Worship. What do we worship? How do we worship? And how have we been trained by the world to think about what worship is? I thought I'd give a quiz this morning. Is that okay? Everybody ready for a quiz? Let's have another little quiz this morning. So I'm going to show uh, uh, two images, A and B. And the question is, which of these two images depicts Worship. All right. So first one over here and a man digging a hole. All right. Everybody kind of got an answer. Which one is worship? All right. Let's try the next set of pictures. We've got a, a fellow reading a newspaper and then uh, raising his hands. All right. Which of those two is worship? Third option here. Uh, looks like some dishes of food and the A column here, hands being raised. Everybody everybody, have their answer? You know, you know which one you think is, is worship? Who thinks that I ask trick questions? Anybody? <laughs> uh, make, make you think. So uh, what you don't know is that in picture B, there's a little bit I left out. That's actually a missions trip where they're digging a well uh, for people who are underprivileged that don't have water. And that's what's going on over there. In uh, the A column for number two, this is a gentleman who's meeting uh, in a nursing home w- with a lady who can no longer see any longer, and he's reading her the news so she knows what's going on. And in the third uh, uh, line here, uh, that's actually our own church. That's our community meal, uh, serving our community with food. H- had it changed what you thought? Did anybody's answer change at all? Um yes. I was a little disingenuous, too, because all of these other pictures with arms being raised, uh, that's actually a Google search I did for rock concert. That's all I was. <laughs> I just typed in rock concert, and that's what came up, which really ought to cause us to examine how the world has shaped our understanding of worship. Uh, not only so in causing the church and many Christians to think that that ends up being the epitome of what worship is, Whereas, in fact, it is worship. What is it that they're worshiping? See, we we have moved beyond the discriminatory view of this to stop and ask for discretion how we understand what the world thinks is valuable. So much so that you can't even hardly tell the difference if I Google search for worship. So here's the pictures that come up when I search for worship. Hard to tell the difference, isn't it? I'll, I'll just flip back and forth here. That's a rock concert and that's worship. Has the world tricked us? Have we been duped into thinking that worship is something that it's not? I have for us, uh, and this is in your sermon notes, some common misconceptions on worship. I'll run through a few of these very briefly. (coughs) Number one, you may think, and uh, let me say a couple of things on the outside here. I think this is another challenging message. I think this is one that I really want to encourage you to digest. All right. Ask the spirit to lead you after this morning uh, that he give you understanding for for what worship looks like specifically in your life. The second thing that I really want to say at the outset is that my main point in this and where I believe Jesus will lead us to comes at the very end of the message. So I got to ask you to hang on all the way to the end and really be watching for when we get to our final Uh, point of conclusion, uh, that this would rest to the mind of God and not the understanding of men as to what worship is. So see if any of these misconceptions line up with what you think, that worship happens once a week, right? That's it. Sunday, I'm going to worship and I'm leaving, right? Going to church and now I'm done with church. Now I can get on with what I want. What time is the game? What time is the game today? Right? Right. Yeah. I'd rather do what I want to do today or uh, rather than, you know, invest myself in. But I'll give one week. Right. I'll give an hour. Some people think that they think worship is something that only happens once a week. Or maybe uh, worship is all about singing and music. That when people define what worship is, in fact, you could even tell from the images that come up on a Google search. They really revolve around uh, the guitar and the drums and the instruments And they, by and large, show people praising God. Well, is there a difference between worship and praise? I believe there is. So make sure that you have not compartmentalized what you think worship is as to be just kind of that part of the service when we're singing. Such that, and here's why it becomes important, that let's say I pick a song you don't know. Does that mean you miss out on worship? Let's say we do a song that you've never heard before, or maybe one that I'm not too crazy about. Does that mean you have missed out on worship? It does if you think this is true, if you think worship is all about the music. Number three is this. Worship is only something that Christians do. Uh, The rest of the world, they don't worship. They have no need to worship. It's only something for believers. It's only something for Christians. We're going to see today, in fact, all humans worship the question is not if you worship. The question is what you worship. Number three, uh, worship is optional. And some believers even think this. Yeah, I don't feel like going to church today. There's no need. Um, all we're going to do is sing songs anyways. I, that's not for me. I kind of like to just sit and listen. That's what I do. Worship is not something both that's optional for you in the sense that you can opt out of it. That it's not necessary for you. Nor is it something that's optional in the sense that not everyone on earth is doing it. God has placed eternity on the hearts of all mankind. All people worship. And it's a a product of what God has done in our lives. It's not optional. You can't do without it. You can't press the pause button on worship. You're always worshiping something. All right, a couple other misconceptions. Uh, worship requires a pastor or a priest or a professional. So if you, you don't have a professional or, or, a, or a pastor, some spiritual leader leading you, you don't have worship. We're going to see as well as that is not true. And lastly, that worship is either intellectual. So some people think it's all about your mind. Other people think it's all about your emotions. What this ends up being is that if the sermon was really a boring one, right? That I, I didn't really get to worship, right? Because my mind wasn't stimulated. Or for other people, if I don't have that energizing, emotional feel that causes me to leave the church just feeling high, well, then I didn't worship either. And neither one of these is true. Neither exclusively being true, nor independently. Worship is far greater than your response both mentally and emotionally. I'd like us to see what Jesus says concerning worship. And he's going to frame it in the terms of both love and trust. If you have your Bibles, we're going to continue in Matthew chapter 6. If you could turn there with me. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 6, I'd like to give us a definition for worship. (coughs) Worship comes from uh, really two old English words. The word worth and the word ship. And that's how we pronounce them today, even though uh, back in the 14th, 15th century they pronounced them a little differently. Um, The word worship literally means the recognition or attribution of something that has worth, something that has value, something that is of being worthy. That's what worship means. Uh, This idea of putting ship on the end of it is the the quality of it, the essence of it. We use the same thing when we talk about um, like sportsmanship, right? That's of the quality of being what? A good sport or friendship. That's of the quality of being a good what? A good friend. Yeah, so worship is that same conjunction here of two words. Literally the recognition and attribution of worth. What do you place value in? All right, everybody ready here? We're good with the definition of worship. Matthew chapter six. We're going to start in verse 19. Read through verse 24. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are good your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are bad your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Challenging words from Jesus today. Complete transformation as to how the world thinks. Uh, how many people here listen to rap music? Anybody? Didn't think so. All right. So uh, there is a whole generation of people that do. There's a whole generation of young people that that's what they're using to conform their minds. Uh, there's, a, there's a rapper who years ago uh, wrote these lyrics. His name is Fifty Cent. Uh, get rich or die trying. There was a bumper sticker back in more of my generation that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. Yeah, some people with RVs, they know that one. Yeah. He who dies the most, you're going to get a bigger, right? Faster. Both of these are phrases that come from the world and how the world thinks about what you ought to chase after, where you ought to place your heart. What you ought to find worth in and value in. And Jesus comes and he shifts it all. He flips it right on its head. Did you see what he said? Don't store up treasures on earth. Where moths come and eat and where they rust. Where thieves want to come in and steal. Jesus gives us a different location to store up our treasures. A place that cannot be touched by the corruption of this world. He says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Then he says these words, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What's he talking about here? The idea of our heart. In what way does your heart determine what you worship? I wanted to ask a couple of penetrating questions to really get you to think about this. Five questions to identify what it is that you worship. Number one, what is it that affects your attitude and your behavior? What is it that affects your attitude and your behavior? Um, When I'm enjoying a football game, um, if someone on, you know, one of these other teams that's playing around the country gets hurt, you know What? (laughs) I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but I don't really care, right? But if my favorite quarterback goes down (laughs) with what seems like an unnecessary hit, you know, we won't get into it, but you know what? It it affects my attitude because I start kind of pacing around the house. And then when I find out that it's a broken collarbone and he's not going to be in, he's got to have surgery, and I get up and I leave and get in my truck and leave... I think uh, there clue phone there is it affecting your behavior is it affecting your attitude because that's a red flag to identify something that you have placed worth in that you worship it is the great delusion of our generation to think that we do not build edifices to the glory of the NFL paying millions of dollars to athletes to play a game are you you're not going to tell me that's worship i have another word for that that's called idolatry is what that's called if you look at archaeologists that go and dig up civilizations the largest structures are always dedicated as temples to their gods imagine that aliens come long after humans die right and they uncover our civilization what will they think about us What will they think about our society when they go to Green Bay and find the largest structure there? What will they say? Well, this is their temple. This is where they worship. Now, I don't mean to ruin the game for you all today. I don't mean to do that. (laughs) But I certainly want you to give some attention as to what it is that you place your worth in and value in. And if it affects your attitude and your behavior... It could be something that you're worshiping. Number two, uh, what's most important to you? I think if you can recall, we had a sermon months and months ago uh, about what if there was a fire in your house, right? You had one minute. And I said, that's kind of the wrong illustration because, you know, we'll all pick something that's really valuable to us. Rather, what if you had a whole day to fill a U-Haul? Remember that? What would you put in your U-Haul? What's most important to you? I promise you, all you have to do is look at the inventory of what you've amassed in there, and these are things that you will be tempted to worship. These are the very things that the devil will use in your life to tempt you to draw you away from the true living God. I find them important. I want to save them. They are my treasures. Number three, what do you spend your time and money on? If we just looked at a spreadsheet of your checking account, and maybe if you could identify the... um, Uh, The minutes of your day and your week to what it is that you expend your time on. They will reveal what it is you worship. You give these limited resources to only things that you value. Only things that you find worth in. You only have so much time. You know that, right? You only have so much money. What is it that you are expending these resources on? They will identify what it is that you worship. Number four, what shapes your character? This one's a big one. What do you look like? Who do you look like? What have you patterned your life after? What is shaping how you think? Uh, We have a popular show called... um, Is it still on? Where they sing on a stage and there's judges. What's that called? American Idol? Idol? Uh, the Voice is the new one. Yeah. And those are fun shows, right? They're fun. But what they do is they conform your mind to think how the world thinks. And you might begin to want to pattern your life after, oh, these, these idols. This is my hero. This is who I want to be like. Church, there's only one to whom you should desire and esteem to be like. His name is Jesus Christ. So what shapes your character? And lastly, What do you love the most? And this is Jesus' words. This is what Jesus would ask, right? For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's what you love the most. Let's let's see if we can, by the Spirit's leading, work on reforming this. Let's, Let's get a good, helpful understanding of worship. I want to offer you six things today. It will help us determine what true worship is and where it comes from. Number one is this. Worship comes from what you love. It's as simple as that. Worship comes from what you love. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where's your heart? Because it shows what you love. There's a passage in Matthew 15, if we continued on, in fact, I think I'd like to read a little bit of the context for you. Turn there quickly. Matthew 15. Starting verse 1. Helen, you have a page for us? 1521. 1521 in the Pew Bibles there. Matthew 15, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. What, what was most important to these Pharisees? What was the most important thing? You've you got to do it right. This is the way we've always done it. Right? Why, why are your disciples rebelling? You know, We always wash our hands and this is the way we do it so what gives that's what's most important to them because it reflects upon what they value for the Pharisees it was self-righteousness thinking highly about making sure I pleased God I did that was of their highest value it's where their love was look at Jesus' answer verse 3 he says why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition for God said honor your father and mother Anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father and mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. Look at that. Did everybody see the cop out there? Right? Mom, she needed help. Right? Pharisee says, I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I was giving my time to God. Jesus says, you're breaking the command of God. Just to keep your tradition. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. Now check this out. I have it up here on the screen. These people honor me with their lips. We got to be careful, church. We got to be careful. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Did your lips sing it? They sure did. Do you think God cared? Do you think God was like, oh, those harmonies are a little off. we got to get a little more comfortable in this song. Come on, project, project, get it up. He says, they honor me with their lips, but check this out. But their hearts are far from me. What is it that God wanted? He didn't want your lips. He wanted your heart. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Number one, worship comes from what you love. Worship comes from what you love. I told you this was a tough message, right? Because there's a lot of things that I'm sure you love in this world. Maybe this message is one that's coming right for you this morning. Like God's been working on your heart to kind of challenge you to love the things of this world less. To be fully devoted to him. To make sure you do not do what these Pharisees do and just offering lip service to God once a week. I'm good. God, we're good, right? But you make sure that you recognize true worship is something that's not done with your lips. It's done with your heart. All right, number two is this. Worship comes at a cost. For many of you today, that cost of getting up early. Some of you getting the kids dressed and out the door. Some of you couples trying to put your arguments on hold while you got to go to church, right? We'll deal with this later, right? What's what's the uh, what is it that you sacrificed this morning for God? Because if you're not sacrificing anything for God, you might still be retaining something that has value other than God, because worship always comes at a cost. You can't get around this. Look. Look back what he said, right? Don't store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Or, I'm sorry, treasures on earth. Don't store up treasures where moths and rust can destroy them. Which means what? Rummage sale them. That's what it means. Get rid of them in your life. Don't allow your possessions to own you. You may think you own them. They own you. Don't store up here. That's a sacrifice. You can't worship. Unless there's a cost. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, and this is tough. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. What's the cost? How many of you show of hands? Your children are the most important thing to you. Oh my goodness! Yeah, please. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you catch the reading today from Genesis that Rosanna read? Do you remember Abraham? God says to Abraham, "I want you to go." I want you to go to Mount Moriah. I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. And I'll tell you the place to go. How many of you would have been like, I'm going to try Buddhism. That's okay. (laughs) God knows what it is that you hold most valuable. And he's trying to show us here that unless he becomes more valuable than that thing, it is idolatry. I love my kids, but if I hold to my kids before I hold to Christ, that's idolatry. I have placed them above Jesus Christ. Worship comes at a cost. For Abraham, and if you remember the story, he says to his servants, right? They got the donkey and they got the wood and they got the knife. And he says, we will go, you stay here, we will go and worship. What did he mean? Did he think he and Isaac were going to go sing songs? Right? They were going to get out the guitar. What did worship look like for Abraham? It looked like sacrificing what what meant the most to him. That's what worship looked like. Because worship comes at a cost. Even at the front of your bulletin, remember what it says? Do not be conformed to the image of this world or likeness of this world but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want you to see the verse that comes right before that, right? This is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a what? That's what he says. You offer your body as a living sacrifice. What did Jesus say? Not your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, even your own what? Even your own life. And what does Paul say about this? He says, This is holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper what? That's what worship is. It's a challenging message this this morning to hear, but worship, church, it comes at a cost. There are things in this world that are going to fight for your attention and your allegiance that you are going to want to place worth in. I like my house. I like my truck. I like my possessions. What if God took them away? Let's continue. Worship is both intentional and subconscious. You will be worshiping whether you know it or not. I want to read for you uh, just a quote that comes out of, <coughs> comes out of this book uh, called, You Are What You Love. It's a quote from uh, uh, David Wallace. He has no theological agenda in this quote. But I want you to listen to what he says concerning the way in which people worship. He says, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what we worship. An outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type of thing to worship, be it Jesus Christ or Allah or Yahweh or the wicked Mother Goddess or Four Noble Truths or some infrangible set of ethical <coughs> principles. See, he's not trying to defend the scripture here. He's just recognizing the position of every human heart, no matter what your religious beliefs are. He says if they are the, where you tap into the real meaning of life, then you will never have enough. You'll never feel like you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body. Some people do that, right? They, they worship their own body. He says, with beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you. On one level, we all know this stuff already. It's been codified in myths and proverbs, cliches. It's a skeleton of every great story. The trick is keeping the truth up front in your daily consciousness. He says, worship power, and you'll always feel weak and afraid. You will need ever more power over others to keep that fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, and you'll end up feeling stupid. A fraud. Always on the verge of being found out. He says this, the insidious thing about these forms of worship... It's not that they're evil or sinful. It's that they're unconscious. They are the default settings. They are the kind of worship that you just gradually slip into day after day. Getting more and more selective about what you see and how you measure value without ever being fully aware that that's what you are doing. Worship is subconscious for many people. They don't even realize they're doing it. The world has a way of squeezing you, conforming you to think like it. And many of us have been duped and tricked. Not only is it subconscious, it's also intentional. I want you to, um, I want you to see this in John's gospel. At the end of John's gospel, uh, Jesus goes to the disciples. And just before this, Peter and all his buddies who... They, they left, and Jesus has been in the grave. And what does Peter say? Do you remember? <clears throat> Excuse me, I need a drink. He says, let's go fishing. What was Peter's world? Fishing. That was his whole world. Where did Peter find worth and value? Fishing. Got this new rod. Right? And that, this is his world. This is what he loved. This is what he worshipped. And then, remember, Jesus shows up on the shore. And I think we read this not too long ago. And Peter dives in and swims. And there's fish that the other guys are pulling in. And they get to the shore. And then in verse 15, uh, Jesus says this. He says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? There's some question from uh, Bible commentators as to what the these refers to. But I want to submit to you, I don't think it's the other disciples. I think it's his old life. I think it's the net and the boat and the oars and the fish. It's right in the context of this story, right? It's the framework around which Jesus asks this question. Do you love me more than your old life? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Did you see the subconscious error that was going on here? Peter went back to what he valued. He wasn't even thinking about it. He just went back to do it. And we would do the same thing because worship is subconscious. But look what Jesus' answer is. He said, what? Feed my lambs. Does that look subconscious or intentional to you? Worship is also intentional. It's commanded by Jesus. If it comes from what we love, then you can identify that's exactly where Jesus is taking Peter. What do you love, Peter? Do you love me more than these? And if so then he gives him a command. He's got a purpose for him because worship is both intentional and subconscious. Number four, worship is exclusive. Jesus made this abundantly clear in our passages this morning from Matthew 6, verse 24. Jesus' words are, no one can serve two masters. It's exclusive, right? It's not God plus Oprah. It's not God plus the gym. It's not God plus my bow or my gun or my truck or my farm. You can't serve two masters. You only get one. Look at his words. Either you'll hate the one and what? See the word? There's love again. So worship comes from what you love. You can't serve two. So where is, where is the position of God in your life? Where is your treasure on earth? Because worship is exclusive Number five, worship encounters the person in the presence of God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have placed your hope for salvation not in your own ability, but in the completed work of that which has been accomplished on the cross, then you know God and God knows you. That's the only place where true worship can be expressed. Which is why when we come to worship God, I don't care where that is or how that is, we do so with the understanding that Jesus Christ is not number two or three or four. He's what? He's number one in my life. And I come into his presence to encounter again the beautiful truth that he has purchased my soul from the grave. and I belong to him. I want you to see in Psalm 73, beautiful verse right here. The psalmist says... Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides what? Besides you. This is because true worship encounters the person and the presence of God. The last thing I want you to see as we work towards reforming how we understand worship is simply this. Worship cannot be compartmentalized. It is not Sunday morning. They come to Jesus, they try to trick him. They say, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. How much of your mind does God want? Yeah, you, you can't keep part of it for this and part of it for God. You cannot compartmentalize worship in your life. Not only does he say, you you might think, worship me with all your heart. He doesn't leave it with heart. He wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants your mind. He wants your strength. There is no compartmentalization for God in your life. Everybody got that? Say amen if you got that. Say it good and loud if you got it. Amen. Amen. I told you that the main point comes at the end, right? So here it is. Because we're not going to catch what it means to worship God if we miss this last part. Look what Jesus says. The second in Matthew's gospel. The second is like it in Mark's gospel. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when it comes to understanding what we do with worship. Jesus does not leave it extended to God alone we got to look deeper at this. So here are some conclusions I want to leave. Recommendations on worship. Number one is this. Rummage sale. what's in your heart. Look, this past week, hopefully you went through the attic. Hopefully you went through the basement. Hopefully you opened up some boxes and you found, you know what? There's a lot of stuff in here I don't need anymore. There's a lot of stuff that I used to find valuable that, you know, I just don't, I don't need this anymore. What about your heart? <laughs> There's something in your heart today that God wants surrendered over to him that you and I need to let go of. You've got to put it on the table and slap a five-cent tag on it, right? Take it. I don't want it anymore. That's my recommendation for you. To pursue genuine worship, you <clears throat> must search your heart and get rid of this stuff that doesn't belong there. Secondly is this. Worship is evidenced in your obedience to love God by loving others. That's how you love God. Do you remember what he said? What's the, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Well, love the Lord your God, with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your what? Yeah. You cannot love God if you're not loving your neighbor. You can't. If your expression of love to God comes here on Sunday morning and leaves, and that's the end of it, and you're content with that, I am here to tell you this morning, you're not loving God. Because you can't love God unless you love others. That's how we show worth to God. I want you to see some passage here. John 15, Jesus says, If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. All right, what's your commandment then? Who wants to remain in God's love, right? I want to remain in God's love. He says, and keep my commands. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. You ready? What is it? Love each other as I have loved you. John goes on to write in his epistles in 1 John. He says, no one has ever seen God. Right? I mean, God's a spirit. He'll see God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He says this in verse 20. Whoever claims to love God. I love God. I go to church every week. I love God. But he hates his brother or sister as a liar. That ought to convict us this morning. Jesus will tell his disciples that at the last day... It's going to separate the goats from the sheep. It's going to say to the goats, Come into your inheritance that's been prepared for you. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you went to visit me. And they will say, When did we do all these things? Jesus will say, That which have you done unto the least of these, you have done to me. John says, Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God. Whom they have not seen. Worship is evidenced in your obedience. Right? Because that's what he says. Right? Obey my commands. In your obedience to love God by loving others. So my question for you this morning is who can you show love to today? Who can you show love to today? You know what that will be for you? This is the coolest part. This is the end of my message. Do you know what that will be for you? That will be a treasure in heaven. If you show love to those who are hard to love, those neighbors that you don't go talk to, if you write a card, if you pick up the phone, you will be storing up treasure in heaven. I stole one of the kids' bucks. Right? You know, we could have done another illustration with the kids, which is give them the dollar and then take it away. What's going to happen if we did that with some of the kids? Because what have they been conformed to think like? They've been conformed to think like the world. You may need this to happen in your life. Because it's a kind of idol in your life. Can't serve two masters. You know, love one, hate the other. Spies the one, serve the other. You can't love both God and money. We've got to be careful as to how we understand worship. It is not something that happens on Sunday morning. It is not something that's predominantly characterized by this. Although I want to say that bowing down in posture and worship, it's a good thing to do. That's not its predominant sense. Worship is evidenced by your obedience to love God by loving others. Give me a good amen on that. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father.